This episode sponsored by Microdose.com. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to Microdose.com. Use the code OPI to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to my live stream from the ocean. As the sun rises over the uh, the ocean, man, it's going to be a, a glorious morning. Hi, Scott Watson. Good morning, Open All. What's up, Scott? When are we going fishing down the Hudson River with all the uh, with all the radioactive waste that they're going to dump into the Hudson River in the very near future? When are we going fishing? We'll do a nice, quick one. Get that sun up above the clouds. Get a nice view, and then uh, why don't we start our days? How how does that sound? What's up, Hugo? Good morning to you. Teope, I've always been curious about your original solo shows before Ian came on board. Is there anywhere I can listen to those? Um, I mean, it was back in the day. Uh, yeah, I got a whole bunch of tapes from my solo shows. They're in uh, storage. Maybe I could start uh, pulling those out and, and posting them. I was number one in my time slot, just crushing it. I was always doing something a little different. Um, I had quite the, uh, the fan base when I was doing the... The solo show at WBAB that I met Anthony, and I even told the people at BAB, man, I got something. I knew right away I had something, uh, and uh, I, I said to BAB, I go, look, just just give her, give us a better slot. At that point, I was doing um, seven to midnight, which was a fun shift when you were younger, and I said, just give me a better slot, give me uh, afternoons, give me mornings, bitch, and we'll stay here. And uh, they didn't see it. Dumb B.A.B. They are dumb, 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 dumb. They had Opie and Anthony in the palm of their hands with the main guy that uh, started the whole thing, going to them and saying, look, I'm from Long Island. I've traveled all over the place doing radio. I'm happy being home. I got something here. It's going to be called Opie and Anthony instead of uh, Opie. And all you have to do is give me a nice raise and give me a nice, uh, a better shift. And we're yours. And they couldn't see it. <laughs> That's like, um, I saw recently online, Bono, uh, he must have posted it because he would be the only person at the time that would have this. But he has a rejection letter from a record company. It's similar to that. Could you imagine being the dummy that says, yeah, I don't see it, as uh, as Bono is handing in U2's music and you as a record rep go, I, yeah, I, yeah, I just don't see it. Write him a rejection letter. I'm sure if you do a quick search, you can find that online, but a record company rejected U2. Oh, my God. And the same thing happened with Opie and Anthony. All I wanted was more money and a better shift. Here you go, bitches. I know this is going to work. Yeah, we can't do that. All right, we're out of here. <laughs> I had an offer in Dallas. I, I sent out the tape. This was around 90, early 95. I knew that I knew the damn thing was so good, and we only did a couple shows together, and I, I put some demo air checks together, they're called, and I sent them out. 
I said I went to Dallas for whatever reason. I think because they had an opening. And Boston was already sniffing around for my solo show, actually. What's up, Bob Lord? Give me shelter, one of the greatest rock songs of all time. I'll fight you on that. Ron Valeri was already sniffing around, and he was trying to get me to go to WAF um, to do nights. And I said, well, I'm working with this new guy. I want to send you a tape. So I sent him a tape, and he's like, well, f- well, now, how about afternoons? So I quickly got a, uh, an offer to do Afternoons with Anthony at WAAF. And I also got an offer to do, I think it was Afternoons at the time, in Dallas. And I always loved that Boston area. So I went to BAB. They thought I was bluffing. So they kind of called what they thought would be my bluff. And they're like, yeah, we can't do anything. But, you know, maybe we could give Anthony a few, a few bucks, nothing crazy to have him on your show. And I'm like, well, that's not going to be good enough. And I think they thought I was bluffing. And I went to uh, this guy, Jeff. I don't want to say his last name. He's a good guy. Jeff, we're leaving. He walked down the hall like he saw a ghost. <laughs> I, I remember it like it happened yesterday. He was just like, what? But but what, what happened? What happened? And then he pulls me in his office. Is there anything we could do? And I go, uh, I think at that point I still said, "Look, if you match the offer, we'll we'll consider staying." I can't. Well, I, but we can't do that because they had, they had old timers there that had, that were in those seats for a long time. I buy, yeah, but but I'm like, all right, we're out of here. Here's my two weeks uh, two week notice. Dummies, Gloria. Good, sir. Must be wonderful waking up there. Y'all earned it through that, though. That's for damn sure. Don't know if I could do that whole famous thing, sir. Yeah, I've talked about it, man. Being famous and being in the public eye used to freaking rule. And social media blew that for everybody. I mean, everybody. If I was starting out today, I guess technically I'm starting out today, if you think about it. Because, I, you know, I broke it all the way down to the basics again. It's it's not as fun. There's just so many. I think the world always had a-holes, obviously. But then with social media, um, is the beach cold? It's freezing. Actually, it's not that bad. It's probably like 30 degrees right now. Uh, the, the beauty is there's no wind. As long as there's no wind, it's just it's glorious out here. But I think social media made it a lot easier for people to just throw their hate and their toxicity at you. The old days, you had to write a letter, and uh, you got used to not opening letters. They were always uh, weird, unless you were single, and there were girls trying to get a hold of you. Then, you know, when you were single doing radio and you were getting fan mail, yeah, you were opening letters. But then you got to a point like, why would I ever open any of this stuff? When we were at WNEW, they would bring in man like fan mail every day like we were some teenage band it wasn't it wasn't over the top exaggerated where like they would bring in a whole a giant bag but it was a nice stack every day wow damn bro absolutely rest in peace sorry to, sorry about that man that that effing sucks when i was falling asleep last night i actually was thinking about all the uh, all the people that are no longer with us. It's uh, the list is is quite long. Remember my dad. <laughs> my dad. My dad only made it to seventy four. Uh, he 
died in a car accident, but he had horrible heart issues. I remember around, I don't know, him turning 70. One day he's, he basically said to me, and he loved life, but he basically said to me, he's like, my life has just come down to going awakes. Like every other week, it, it felt like when I was visiting him, he was putting on some kind of suit. I'm like, where are you going? And he would be like, blah, blah, wake. He goes, this is all I do now with my life. I'm going to wakes. <laughs> I'm like, that's got to suck. Will you support Kamala Harris in 2024 or is you racist? I, I've proven uh, that I'm not racist, Ross. God, I don't know if I like you, Ross. You, 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 you got weird stuff. I know my people. Why would you think I'm racist? Because I was connected for for all those years, and for for most of that time, I had no idea that he was about that. I don't support Kamala Harris because I think she stinks. I don't support Joe Biden because I think he stinks. I don't support uh, DeSantis because I think he stinks. I don't support Trump because I think he stinks. I think we can come up with better choices. Kamala Harris hasn't proven anything as the VP. I think she's pretty amazed every single day that she's got the gig. It's not fun being famous these days. It's all right. You got to learn just to shut everything down, uh, sword and scale. Sword and scale, I know a little bit about you. He's got a bit of a following. You just got to, like, just shut everything down. For the most part, um, you know, this is uh, the haters got a nice clean shot at me when I live stream. And then, uh, and then why would you spend your day trying to, you know, catch up on all that stuff and read all that stuff. I, I barely read my, my Twitter at this point. I got a private Facebook group. I'd rather hang out in there and, and post in there. Um, I got a chat room with my Instagram subscribers. It's, it's what you choose to do. There's plenty of people that support me, so why not focus on them? One created the instant feedback today, a.k.a. Uh, the live chat. That is 100% true. I had an idea when we were at WNEW to get our fans more interactive. Um, there was already email. So our fans, I think we had like a, a show email account and then we would have to open up our email and see who was writing in. But we were getting to the point where we couldn't keep up with it because everybody was emailing us. It was hard to go through it. So I went to one of the engineers that was working at WNEW. I wish I remember his name. I said, I have this idea. I want... People, this sounds so stupid because you're right. It's it's what's happening right this second. Basically, I I describe what what now is a chat room. I go, is there any way that these people could write us and it would just come up on the screen like this instead of an email where we have to open it up? And the guy goes, yeah, I think that's possible. And the guy wrote a program, a very primitive early program that we called Instant Feedback. And I know that sounds really stupid to even um, to describe in the year 2023, but it's the God's honest truth. And he came up with this program and then other radio shows uh, were like, what are these two guys doing? How are they able to to read all these comments so quickly on the air? I think it was a very early form of Twitter, too, if you really think about it. Do you not want to be yourself on radio instead of playing the Opie character? I was... I was definitely myself on the radio, but it was an exaggerated version. And as I move onwards, um, I'm more myself than not these days. That's what I was just trying to say. <laughs> Big Aussie tape. <laughs> you really can't steer a blip. That's the problem. <laughs> Big Aussie tape. Very nice. Thanks for the laugh. 
Radio Gunk, how are you, Radio Gunk? I finally saw your Patrice O'Neill doc. It was great. Teared up a little. Wish it was uh, longer. I remember how touched he was when you bought him the. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a uh, Louis. Uh, Louis. Uh, Louis the blank. I I loved Patrice O'Neill and. I want to show my appreciation, so I gave him the Louis. Oh, my God, what's it called? Help me out, guys. I'm tired. You guys know more. You guys are my brain. But I, I got this bottle from, um, I'll be honest, from Caroline's because they appreciated what we did for their business, um, selling out show after show after show after show. Had this bottle on display in my house for a long time, and I was like, you know what? I think Patrice would really appreciate this. And I brought it in, and he was touched. And it was hard to get Patrice to show. No, that's not true. I, I saw Patrice show emotion more than not. I think he got a bad reputation with that. But, yeah, he was very touched that day. I said, hey, man. He's like, what's this for? I go, it's just a thank you for everything you've done for the Opie and Anthony show. The one thing they messed up in that documentary, Radio Gonk, I cried like a bitch. I teared up pretty good. And I guarantee... I guarantee a bunch of those comedians they talked to in that documentary also teared up. I don't know why they left that out. They should have, they should have, um, they should have done a montage at the end as the credits are rolling with everyone crying over Patrice because he meant a lot to a lot of people. And then I would have had all these tough comedians crying, credits rolling, with Patrice laughing his ass off behind everyone crying. That would have been awesome. They have it. I'm in touch with that guy. I should I should ask him. I'm like, hey, can you give me a montage of everybody crying over Patrice? I want to do something with it. I know. <laughs> Andy, I know that's true. <laughs> the pinball machine you smashed is in the Smithsonian. I got a lot of hate from pinball enthusiasts uh, when Al Dukes brought in that pinball machine to get on my good side. And I smashed it with a mallet in front of everybody. I heard that that was a very, very rare pinball machine. And now you're saying it's in the, the Smithsonian. It's a Rolling Stones pinball machine. And now it's in the Smithsonian. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah, people were not happy at, at that bit. I got to clear my throat. Let me go inside to really clear my throat. I think I could do like just a yeah, get, I'll do like a, a, a splash of coffee. I'll be right back to finish up. This episode sponsored by Microdose.com. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to Microdose.com. Use the code Opie to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. A lot of people wondering, hey, Ope, are you still microdosing? And my answer is, hell yeah. Now, microdose and the concept of microdosing is commonly associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. The number one reason why I'm microdosing, by the way, is to get a better night sleep. For me, it's given me great, great sleep. Also, it has helped with the creative boost, enjoying the moment, and it's also helped with some anxiety issues. If you need to know more about microdosing, definitely go to microdose.com. They'll explain this even further. You probably heard about it a little bit here and there. If not, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. The reason it's so cool is that it gives you just a touch of the THC. Oh, by the way, if you want a little more, 
Oh, they could take care of you in that way as well. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. All around, there are 10 out of 10 for me. I, I really, really love these guys. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. Use the promo code OP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. And if you're still not entirely sure what this is all about, at the very least, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, use the promo code OP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. And I'll throw that link in the description of this podcast episode. Microdose.com, promo code OP. Jackie Martling or Artie Lang, they're both great in their own right. But I would have to give it to um, Artie Lang. Yes. Yeah, I know. Howard invented the sun. I know. Before the sun, people had to turn on lights. I know. I know, Howard. Cheers to Howard. <laughs> For those who have passed, cheers. Cheers. Yes, cheers. The sun rises for them today. Live your life, bitches. Live in the moment. It was, uh, it was, it really was a great concept to have the listeners interact. Yeah, man. I mean, the Opie and Anthony instant feedback. Now it's like commonplace. So when you tell this story, people are like, whatever, dude. But you got to understand, no one was doing that because we were very interactive from day one, or I was interactive even before Anthony, but, um, you know, whatever technology was out there, we uh, we used. And, and there was a time, like, people would get annoyed at, at the radio stations because we were blowing out fax machines because we kept uh, giving out the fax number, like, all the time. And, and the thing would just run the entire time. And we wanted it in the studio so it could rip and read. And they were constantly fixing it. Obviously, putting ink in the damn thing. They were annoyed by us. I'm like, yeah, but this is great. The fans have a way of being involved with the show. All right, we got five dwellers. Jim and Sam take a week of vacation for every bank holiday. Jim also said he will not renew his contract. We all hope he doesn't ruin Sam and the boys. <laughs> He's not going to. Is he pouting again? <laughs> He's lucky to have a gig. I don't know if that's true, but I could trust JD. He, he he usually comes up with some good stuff. Doggy, you ready to go to the beach? You're like, what? Why? Why are you talking to these people? Right? Got them all shaved down, nice. Uh, I think whatever drove you to be or have the random "I'll smash your shit" attitude is. I don't know you, but to me, it's it's great. And believe me, I get it. Most won't bring him back. We miss him. Please bring what the lunatic version of me back. I just knew it made for great radio. Like people would be like, you're insane. But I never, when we were doing a radio show, I, I always was like, we're just entertaining people. There were so many times I would get people upset by doing a bit that people loved. And, you know, this is the part that I didn't talk about for many years, but soon as, soon as the mics went off, I ran out of the studio to make sure the people were okay. Think like Starker Patty. That's why Starker Patty loves me to this day. Cause she, she got to know the real me. On the radio, I would be a nightmare towards her. And then off air, I would run and make sure she was okay. And basically say, I'm just doing this for the show. I love you. And for the longest time, I would uh, leave that out of the discussion. So people really thought I was a monster. (laughs) I never really thought it was real, a lot of that stuff. 
EJ, thank you for being cool to me, by the way. Cheers. I try. I try to be cool. I try to be cool to the people that are cool to me. I remember AF when you started selling CDs. I forgot the company sending them out, but I think I was the first or second one to order from them, and they sent them right out, no problem. What CDs? Sounds like somebody was uh, making money off us. We had an official CD that was that came out called Demented World, but I honestly don't remember selling CDs. Ooh, who the hell was doing that? And New York City's exhausting. It's exhausting. No one retires in New York City. It's impossible. They just take and take and take and take. And these poor bastards, they, they die in their apartments. And as they're pulling the bodies out of the building, the city's there. I'm, I guarantee to see if there's any loose change in their pockets. Oh, the city stinks. They make believe it's such a magical place. It's the greatest city on earth. And blah, we're all on the same team as they just take and take and take from us. I don't get how dogs poo-poo four times a day and never get a hemorrhoid. That's a, that's a very good. Our groomer carved out his... Let's just say this. They, they, they carved out his hole, which I guess I, I'm thankful for. It'll make cleanup better, but... It's kind of creepy how they carved, <laughs> they carved out his hole. Jesus. <laughs> it was Demented World. Okay, it was Demented World, uh, Bob Lord. No, we had a record company. It was a, it was a local record company uh, that a guy owned, and he, would, he basically ripped me and Anthony off. Our, our CD was charting around the country, and we made uh, very little money off that. I forget. I think we, I think we split a quarter literal quarter per CD sold something like that. And then he took all the merch money because we were selling t-shirts and posters. I told, I have told this story a million times and then he was stupid because then we come to New York and we just blow up and then he didn't have the mindset to, uh, to re-release that CD to the New York market. Oh my God. It would have sold tens of that. It probably would have sold a minimum of a hundred thousand in, in New York alone. He didn't have the mindset to do that. And then he uh, strong-armed us at a mall up there in, um, in Western uh, – where the hell was the mall? The Natick Mall, I think. He wanted a meeting with me and Anthony because our CD was taken off. We were doing these CD signings that were lasting pretty much all day. Um, we would show up, and we were amazed by the lines. We couldn't believe all these people were coming out to have their CD signed. And uh, this guy, he, he knew he had something. He uh, managed – Bozo the Clown. This is a true story. I don't think the original Bozo the Clown. And he had something to do with that song. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. I think he said something like he was in the recording studio when that band was recording that song. And they needed a name for the band. And a radiator was blowing steam. So he suggested they call themselves Steam. I think that's the story. Anyway, this guy, pretty full of himself. Knew that me and Anthony were a meal ticket. He goes, I want to meet with you guys. We didn't have representation at this point. We had just taken off and uh, we meet at the Natick Mall. And he, and he has contracts. He wants to manage us. And then he brought this giant, this giant guy. Let's just put it that way. Very intimidating. His muscle. I'm like, who is this guy? And And it felt more like he was like, 
it felt like there was like a subtle threat or something. And we were smart enough not to sign that. Thank God. And then we got legit uh, representation after that with Super Agent Bob Eatman. But never forget the meeting in the mall. We were really creeped out. And he's sliding contracts in a food court. I'm like, I think we deserve more than a meeting in a food court. Why don't you apply for a new radio job? No offense, James, but I don't think you understand what happened to the business. I make more money doing this and putting out my podcast than I would make in radio these days. Um, when Imus was retiring, WABC wanted to hire me, um, and they wanted to pay me $100,000 a year. They said, that's all we have. Now you might think to yourself, "Wow, a hundred thousand a year would be a, a sweet living." Yeah, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing the money, but the problem is, hundred thousand. Wait for it. My agent got at least ten percent, so now we're down to ninety thousand. Then I would have to pay uh, Carl. I would have to pay Vic because it was uh, it was that time, and possibly some Sherrod. So out of the ninety that I had left, I probably would have had a. I had to at least give up 40 of that for my guys at least. I'm just doing quick numbers, okay? So don't hold me to it. So now I'm doing a um, – I'm taking over for Imus in a pressure cooker of a situation, and I'm making uh, about $50,000 a year before taxes. That's what happened to the business. And so I said no. And then the guy – came to me six months later after I think he hired uh, Bernie and Sid to do mornings. And then the guy's name was uh, Chaz, I think. Chaz. Good guy. Really good guy. I remember me and um, Carl were walking up 72nd Street. We were going to that dive bar at uh, Malachi's, which is on um, 72nd in Columbus. We we're going to have a couple, uh, couple uh, wobbly pops. Actually, Carl was going to drink some bourbon and and um, lubricate his throat with a beer. And I was having a couple beers with Carl. And right before we walked in, phone rings. It's Chaz. It's like a, he's like, oh, I just need you on this station. I just need you on this station. He goes, what about 10 a.m. to noon? And the podcast was uh, doing okay at that point. I, I look at Carl. I'm like, not bad. We could promote our, our podcast. This is not a bad thing. He goes, look, you could do it from the beach house. I don't even need you at in uh, the city. I don't need you in the studio. What do you say? 10 a.m. to noon. I'm like, Chaz, all right. Less stress, less pressure. Don't have to do Fridays. I could do it from the beach. I'm like, he goes, one problem. I go, what's the problem, Chaz? He goes, I can't pay you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wait, let me tilt this so that I can see some more. I can't pay you. So he wanted to do what's called a revenue share. So then my agent at the time, he was looking up how much money they make uh, at ABC between the hours of 10 a.m. and noon. And the money was horrendous. I'm like, Chaz, I can't do it. I can't do radio for free. So uh, long answer to that guy, why don't you apply for another radio job? The radio business is in the toilet. I ain't moving a floor. Why would I move to Florida? I would move to a Caribbean island. I would move to Hawaii. I would move to upstate and get a house on the top of the mountain so I could see you idiots coming. I like this. I like the quiet. I enjoyed the silence. I think that was a song, right? 
little Depeche Mode action. You know what? I'm going to go listen to to Depeche Mode. What the hell was the name of that album that I loved when I was living in Buffalo? Oh, I'm looking up a Depeche Mode album. Sorry, don't mind me. There was an album, because I I worked in uh, Buffalo, and it was... um, the winters were really long. I was doing overnights. I would go days without seeing the sun because by the time I crashed, the sun was just starting to come up, and I would wake up when the sun was down. So I was in a very uh, dark place in general. I was doing overnights, not seeing the sun, with a shitty girlfriend. And this album spoke to me, and I would play it to death. You guys might even – oh, yeah, okay, Violator. Yes. Violator spoke to me. I played that album over and over again, and it made sense when I was living in Buffalo. I will leave you with that thought today. Guys, have a good day, all right? <laughs>